0: leg in arms leg in arms
1: Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Today, we welcome back Paul Chandler, the shy Yeti himself, talking from his very busy household in a roundabout way about literary detectives on television. We do seem to have been talking about crime a lot on the show in the past few months, don't we? But if that's what people want to come on here and talk about, then that's what we'll do. Well, at least the literary world of detective fiction is where we started anyway, not least because in a recent crossover with his own Shy Life podcast, episode 441, if you're looking, we covered similar ground looking at these characters from the point of view of the books, and so we thought it might be nice to do the same thing but to take television as the starting point. As ever, we got a little bit distracted, so some other non-literary detectives do creep into the mix, but that's the nature of things when a couple of television fans get talking, and I hope you enjoy where the conversation takes us. So, Without further ado, let's kick up those fab time engines once again and see if the evidence stacks up. Hello Paul, welcome back.
2: Hello, good to be back. Well,
1: anyway, we decided today we would talk about television detectives. We're sort of thinking about the literary detectives that have been adapted and
2: put mm, yes. on television, and
1: yeah. So, would you like to begin by picking a detective out of your hat?
2: I think we should quickly, though, run through the the four different types of detectives. So, just just as a definition, we've got the amateur detective, who ah. would be like Miss Marple, Jessica Fletcher, Lord nice. Whimsey, etc. Then we've got the private investigator, which would be someone like Quayro or Magnum, or Marlowe, or Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have got the police detective, you're Morse, Columbo, yeah. Right. And then you've got the forensic specialist, oh. which is more like sort of the CSI type side, and the, okay. the Quincy's, and Scarpetta. And, yeah, some of them I think, uh, well, some of them are more interesting to me than others as well. Mm. I've always been more of a fan of the Probably the amateur detective out of those four.
1: So what is it about detective fiction and detectives on television that particularly appeals to you?
2: Well, I mean, particularly with this group, the amateur detectives, it was always the sort of the fact that it's going on without necessarily the people realising it's going on. Miss mm-hmm. Marple just having a little chat with someone in the corner store or whatever, or, or just sort of noticing things that she notices because that's what she does.
1: So it's not just your criminal tendencies showing and you're trying to find ways of getting away with it or anything like uh, that? Country.
2: Well, it's because all my life has been leading towards being the uh, the male version of Miss Marple in about 20 years time. So you've <laughs> so got to do something, you yeah. know. In, in you've the, been uh, buying
1: tweed suits yeah, and, to, and you have a bicycle with a basket ready and waiting.
2: I want to be Hattie
1: Wainthrop of, ah.
2: of the 2040s.
1: Well, we might need one, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Hetty Wainthrop, good lord. That's uh, yeah. Patricia Routledge, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yes. Was that one of the ones you most enjoyed? Or? I didn't
2: see it at the time, because I think mm. it was out sort of in the late 90s when I tend to be living in places which didn't have great TV reception, mm. or I have caught up with it since. It's one of those ones that I think I've read about that the cast would have quite liked it to have gone on mm. for a bit longer, and it was obviously mm. seemed a bit laziness mm. on the BBC's Half oh, that it didn't. I, I believe the pile episode was actually maybe ITV and it crossed over, yeah, something, right. something like that. that is
1: unusual, yes. I'm not very familiar with that one. So, how, how long did that?
2: It was, well, a couple of years. It was four seasons, but it's this pile mm. episode interests me. The pile episode was in 1990, right. and the actual series was 1996, and then series oh, really? 2, 96, okay. series 3, 1997, and series 4, 98. Apparently, they had been told at the end of the four series that a fifth series would be commissioned, right. but it never was, which is, yeah, that's what I remembered about that, that it was, you know, they'd been told one thing, and then mm. but, uh, it, it was based on characters from a novel by David Cook.
1: At that time, I think Morse had become a huge phenomenon, and I think there was a lot of television companies scrambling around trying to find a new popular detective series. So, so I think there were a lot of pilots and a lot of shows that sort of thinned out over the years from that stage.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Did you like it? I mean, was it one of your favourites? You...
2: As I say, um, I I sort of caught up with it much more more recently, and mm. I haven't. I still haven't sort of seen that. one you probably think when you buy the box set and you watch the first mm. few discs, uh, there's still more to come. But yes, I've just double checked, and yeah, it's like a feature length episode on ITV back in 1990. So same um, cast, but, but with. the... Well, certainly with potential sure outrage. But, but you're know. a fan of the
1: Little Old Lady on yeah. television. Yeah, the Little Old Lady character, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But obviously you've got Jessica Fletcher, which is the, mm. su- the US version. Phenomenally
1: successful, yeah. is
2: it? Yeah, again, I've, I probably saw some at the time. I know I was, I was so keen on the theme music because I mm. remember recording the theme for Murder, She Wrote, the, the theme mm. for Miss Marple. And I think there was a, 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 crick- a cricketer's programme called Bodyline or something. Right. Um, that was all, all, all sort of, all, they, they were all quite drama, sort of, yeah. Hmm. yeah, they were all quite nice themes. I remember listening to my tape recording those. I still have the <laughs> Miss Marple theme tune on vinyl. But uh, if you to Jessica Fletcher, I'm not sure hmm. how old she, I she was supposed to in her 50s. It's interesting actually when you watch she, the
1: pilot specifically there does seem to be a they age her up a bit. Either that mm. or there's a long time between the pilot and the series. Mm. But she, they definitely play up on the should we say the matronly aspects of it I think. Mm. Actually in the, it she's quite a young go-getter in the pilot film but then I think somehow the the cozy crime drama perhaps they or they just wanted to riff a bit on the Miss Marple
2: idea because she's a, a writer she's not there's not a lot of comparisons between her and Miss Marple. Jessica's writing a book. She's going on book tours. Mm. She's she has an active life. She's mm. not retired and, and living in some sort of no pottering out her garden like true.
1: Marple. Although sometimes for American television, there's just a a desire to uh, be able to pigeonhole it to sell mm. it easier to the audience. The shortcut is oh, it's. An American Miss Marple. Yeah.
2: I, I, well, I was thinking of sort of amateur detectives that I remember watching mm-hmm. as as a, a child, I suppose. Mm. The, so you had Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Mm. Series.
1: I do remember them being a long-running series of books, and I think it, it sort of used to turn up in the school holidays, didn't it?
2: Because I think um, the original series, so they sort of alternated, and I think mm. they may have even crossed over and been in the same. Mm. But I, I remember the music and the participants for that being... There is something to be said
1: though, wasn't there, isn't there, for the the literary detective on television because they kind of can reinvent it for every generation in many ways. Mm -hmm. They sort of put another actor or actress or lead in and you can make basically the same stories all over again to a certain extent. I don't think anyone's necessarily going to try and make another Murder, She Wrote, but certainly the Miss Marples and the like do tend to come round again. I I always think there's a kind of 20-year cycle, but you get this kind of definitive performance I mean, I think that with Poirot, I mean, David Suchet's Poirot is such a definitive and almost all-encompassing. You can't imagine anybody else doing it. And then, of course, they get John Malkovich on the BBC to play Mm. Poirot a couple of Christmases ago. I think it must be difficult to sort of step out of the shadow in the same way that other actors have found it difficult to step out of the shadow of Jeremy Brett, Mm. the definitive Granada Sherlock Holmes, which we're very proud of in Manchester because of Granada. So... Of the amateurs, who else have we got in the amateur detectives?
2: Well, I um, mean, they keep coming back to the Famous Five and doing new versions of that. Famous even. Five, but I guess that's a bit easier to update the things she wrote with human characters in.
1: Yes, um, and I mean, you can you can certainly cast it much more diversely, can't you? which can kind of help to a certain yes, extent.
2: Yeah. I think I missed the version I was thinking about is the one from the late seventies. Yes, although I, I don't think I ever actually saw. It on TV, but the weird thing is, the famous five books that I had came in a mm. little box set, which mm. were obviously related to the. that had the actors on the front cover. Yes, but I, I don't think I've ever it. seen that version. I'm not even really sure I've seen any version of Famous Five. I remember
1: it being a comic strip in looking as well. Did a mm. spin-off. Mm. Yeah, so well, so. it was quite a big show for ITV back in late 78, 79, something like that. But another
2: completely different. And protective grouping that I do remember liking was Jonathan and Jennifer Hart in Heart to Heart Hart oh, Hart.
1: Yeah. I've definitely
2: that, got some of that in my collection.
1: That's an enormous show in its day, wasn't it? I mean, it's again so probably that, That's kind of like your absolutely sort of rock solid Sunday night guaranteed. Audience for ITV, wasn't it? Really, yeah. it was such a popular show. Any show where people start doing the impressions, I think, has has made uh-huh. some kind of impact. You know, it's really, it's actually got into the zeitgeist and it's got a real proper audience following there. Of course, very much a riff on the Thin Man films from the nineteen mm. thirties, which are William Powell and Lloyd and Astor, which are a lovely series of films. I don't know if you ever seen the, the all of them at all. No. It's it's a format, isn't it, in many ways. The shall we say, the rich couple mm. <laughs> investigating various crimes. The problem with a lot of TV detectives is how often they're in the proximity of I mean, Paul, you've lived your life. How often have you been in the proximity
2: of a moida? Um only fictional ones. Really. <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean.
1: You've lived your life. You haven't sort of just locked mm. yourself in your house for You know, I mean, I know a lot of us have had to lock ourselves into our houses for the last couple of years. Your actual existence within in this world, you've actually managed to, you know, not many of your close personal friends have been moided, as far as I'm aware. If they have, you've never mentioned it, and indeed, not as far as I'm aware, very few of mine have. And you kind of think these people every time they turn up, it's like, you know, that thing. If you watch Casualty and you're just thinking spot where the accident's going to happen, someone's putting up their climbing frame or something, you just know they're going to fall off it. With with Jessica Fletcher and, and the like, you're waiting for which one's going to be the victim. You're playing spot the victim every
2: time. But, um, yeah, I, I was just looking um, mm. to, uh, I, I see on the Heart to Heart page mentioned the thin man as being influenced. Mm. And originally they would have liked Cary Grant to have played the yes. Heart, but he was sort of Retired, by retired them, by then really, yes. and they also considered George Hamilton. Really, then when Wagner was cast, they wanted Natalie Wood. is mm. then your life, wife mm. to be his wife. But mm. uh, and, and they also considered Suzanne Plachet, Kate Jackson, wow. who just finished Charlie's Angels, and wow. Lindsay Wagner. But uh, Lindsay Wagner suggested Stephanie Powers.
1: And it's interesting that because casting wise, it's almost perfect. Isn't it? I mean, I, I've always said you can't fake chemistry, but they really seem to work well together on screen.
2: As a pairing. It's quite a, f- a fun show with the sort of comedy in it. As mm. well as uh, that, very was one that I could be left to watch by myself. I think too bad it's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Once we got Part of the, murder, the, the, murder. Yeah, this is what far. I'm saying. It's interesting, really, how we with this whole genre, really, this, there is this idea of the cosy murder. I mean, as opposed mm. to perhaps post-2000, we got into the CSI where you had the grizzly murder. But the cosy murder... I mean, it still exists as a a form in things like Father Brown, doesn't it, really? Mm, Yes. I know you're a fan of Father Brown. Does Father Brown count as an amateur?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's in my list here. And uh, I I have got a box set of the new Father Brown, which comes with the 70s version, which I've not actually watched. Uh, I know that's the version that a lot of people... Mm. Certainly, remember, remember the Kenneth uh, Moore. Uh, yeah, uh, variant.
1: Um, This is uh, the v- version with Mark Williams, isn't it? And yeah, Shanae Kuzak, is that right? Yeah. Now, of course, you would argue, I think, that Father Brown as seen on TV, certainly the modern iteration, which is what seven, about seven seasons now, seven. At least the next one
2: might be yeah. eight, but...
1: It's not the Father Brown of the books, is it? You've got to be honest. There, I mean, it's no, it's, it's very far. much they've they've taken elements of that situation from the books and. Made a sort of modern take on it, which, of course, in many ways, that's what they did with the Sherlock Holmes films in the 1940s, 1930s. Mm-hmm. You know, they update it, and you could argue that's what Sherlock is. It's an update again. It's taking the content of the book, or the, the style, or an idea of the book, but updating it. I know Father Brown's set in the is it the 50s or is it, it is yes. after the yes. it is after the Second World War, isn't it? It's not, yes. not between yes. the wars. Whereas, of course, the original books are in much earlier era, but also the Kenneth Moore setting what is, is that also in the 50s or is that contemporary yeah
0: i'm not sure
1: well very popular in the day i mean i remember them being on you know when i was a kid i remember one watching them they, they were a popular prime time detective series so yeah yeah
2: it's definitely it's a lot more open-minded than i think things would have been oh in the actual um, 1950s, the 1950s yeah. um, well yes but then again
1: that's modern television for you generally any series i think reflects the time it's made in not necess- even if it's a period drama it has to do that because that's the society you're living in now you can't ignore that i mean but yeah i mean there, you do have to there is a, an enormous pinch of salt certain attitudes to certain characters within the narrative you do have to accept that yeah they that would not have happened in the 1950s version of this if mm. that this would not have been the way it was done. But I, I don't think that's that's a bad thing. I think I think you've got to be as inclusive as you can, really. And I don't really think it detracts too much from the actual drama, does it? I mean, there may be some moments where you just go, well, that's preposterous. But I, I think, actually, if you're a reasonable human being, you just enjoy the stories. And ultimately, the whole purpose of a detective drama is to have a, a puzzle and solve it. And if you're sitting there as a viewer, you're hopefully hopefully slightly ahead of the game so you can go ah oh, I knew it was them <laughs> <laughs> I mean put a few clues in the plot and all that kind of thing pick it out and if the viewer at home feels that they've got one over on the detective on the tv I mean they'll either go well it was obvious but that was rubbish or they'll they'll think "Well, oh, that was satisfying because I was right of the <laughs> detectives the professional detectives in Father Brown do you have a pre- yeah. a favorite on, on the TV version,
2: mm. um, yeah, because that's
1: the character that's I, sort of rotating uh, yeah. more, isn't it? I've
2: oh, the... uh, kind of got used to the one who's currently there, mm. the, I, the I, I slightly I like... bumbling. I can't remember yeah. who plays him now. What's his name? Yeah. Um, Jack Dean, isn't it? Jack Dean, that's right. Mm. But I think I've kind of like like them all. From. I always I know some of them only stayed for a couple of seasons or one. Mm. But I remember each time they replaced the policeman, I was kind of like, oh, I quite liked him. Like would like him to stay. <laughs> um, but I was thinking of. Three other amateur detectives. Uh, I was thinking of Cadevale because he's a different ah,
1: sort. I suppose he is really.
2: Yeah. Derek Jacobi on TV. Yes. I don't think I ever saw that at the time. I'm not. Sure. I think that was very early, very early
1: 90s. But um, I mean, again, I think I feel in some ways the Cadvale Cadevale, Cadvale books to a certain extent run parallel with the name of the rose. The name of the rose was such a big film back then that mm. that sort of medieval investigation. It sort of worked, didn't it? You could see that it would work as a popular thing. And I do think that Brother William in uh, Name of the Rose, I mean, they have made a Name of the Rose series since so for television. So mm. but Brother Brother William, is it William of Baskerville, that's right, is very much in the Sherlock Holmes tradition. And it played incredibly well. So Cadvile comes along and you think, yeah, medieval mysteries
2: are a great thing. It was on between 94 and 98. But then, of course, Lord Peter Whimsy. I definitely remember watching that TV series. Is that I'm Ian of, Carmichael or is that um, the previous version? The, the version I'm thinking of is Harry Walter. Oh,
1: right. Edward Petherbridge. Yeah, so I was thinking of the uh, Ian Carmichael version back from the mm. 70s. That's, uh, that's just showing me age, obviously, but there yeah, we this go. Is, this is
2: 1987. Oh, Harriet okay. Bain was played by Harriet Walter. Right. I think they only did ten episodes, so mm. maybe it was le- less known than I. I think it was. You know, you always think, when you're a kid, you always think the version you know is, is the most famous version. Yes. But they've also done it on the radio, of course. Mm.
1: Well, it's one of those truisms, isn't it? Lord Peter Whimsey, what well, there's about a dozen or so books. Mm. And obviously, Miss Marple, there are about a dozen books. So I think any sort of television producer worth their salt is looking for someone who's got a series of books that they can tie a long-running series to. I mean, even uh, the modern Mark Billingham, Tom Thorne books, which um, David Morrissey playing uh, Tom Thorne, which totally miscast as far as I'm concerned, but there we go. I always think that if you've discovered a detective in the book first, you are going to basically have an image in your head. And for, as far as I'm concerned, Tom Thorne is really rebus. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really Ken start with a leather jacket and looking a bit crumpled. And that's the image in my head. So when he comes along being played by David Morrissey, it doesn't, I, I think, oh, no, that's wrong. And who's the one that Stephen Tomkinson plays, the detective? DCI Banks. So you get Stephen Tomkinson playing DCI Banks and a lot of people say that's not right either, you know, but then again, Tom Cruise isn't Jack Reacher. So what do I know about anything, <laughs> you
2: know? The the last amateur detective I wanted to mention, and mm. and it's a lot more recently, uh, and, and I think this is just a t- TV only. I think mm. that's Veronica Mars. Oh, um, right. that was like a three season. It was a bit like Buffy, mm. but like a, a schoolgirl detective. Mm. Uh, it was that sort of that same sort of Buffy vibe, except with no monsters mm. and no. Um, I can't remember where I heard about it. I, I ended up buying a box set. think um, oh, really? Ran from two thousand and four. For like t- three years, and then they did um, a movie. Right. But that was a, there was a gap there. Hmm. I think there may have another season since then. It gets a bit. When they do things, and you're not sort of. I think they did. It looks like they do. A, yes, that's right. The last thing I saw was 2005 to 2007, back when seasons were still 22 hmm. 20 or whatever. Um, then they did a movie in 2014, backed by popular demand. I think it might have been crowdfunded. Okay. I mean, it makes it sound. It makes it sound sort of. It was on that channel, the, the CW. So I don't in America anyway. I I don't know whether it, you know, where it was shown over here, mm. but it looks like there's been a season, down to the sort of eight episode type, mm. season, uh, as recently as 2019, which right. I haven't seen, but. Right. Sometimes it's difficult to chase these things. Isn't it? Mm. There's still a season of the, I like the Scream films, there's still a season of the Scream TV series, which I also enjoyed. Wow. which I, 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 has, has evaded me because it, they put them on Netflix and then suddenly they didn't. And, yeah. and, and it's very annoying when you're sort, of, you're sort of reading about something that's out and available somewhere, yes. but you can't get a hold of it. A lot of these Netflix shows, or shows that, are, that kind of go via streaming, are actually quite hard to grab if you Want to get a DVD copy of them mm. because because they're not considered to, that's not considered a valid format anymore for a lot of people. And Netflix obviously is a streaming service anyway, but different countries mm. have, show different. Uh, Netflix US is different from US. Yes, uh, the Netflix UK, UK and
1: it's funny you mentioned crowdfunding though because I'm I'm sort of of the opinion I I, I read somewhere that wasn't the resurrection of Miss Fisher wasn't that something to do with the crowdfunding. Uh, situation as well. Are you I, a fan of Miss Fisher at all? Have you seen Miss Fisher?
2: I've seen a few episodes, mm. and I feel like there's a version set in the 1960s. or not There is, the yes, there is. A, yeah, a, a, with the next generation, uh, almost. Or yeah, something and, like I, and I quite enjoyed the 1960s version mm. because I think I was more interested in that decade than I was mm. interested in the original uh, you're not. You're not uh, a
1: fan of the flapper generation.
0: <laughs> well,
1: to a point, by 1960s. Cool jazz and all that, and (laughs) the Black Bottom and all that thing. (laughs) Charleston, that's the fella. (laughs) Um. I was going to throw you a bit of a a curveball here. Um, What do you think of Jemima Shaw? Would you say Jemima Shaw is an amateur or... I know she's an investigative journalist, but is, would you say she's also an amateur detective, or would would she not count? Yeah,
2: I think she probably would.
1: I never quite know if they're actually because they're a professional something else. Does that mean then they can't be put in the amateur section? Or
2: yeah, yeah, they might cross over.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, because on TV, I think she, she started off as a what one of the armchair thriller yeah. stories, mm. and then but then. Had, Mariah Aitken. Yeah, I then later had her own series played by Patricia Hodge. Hodge, yes. yes. I think I, I, well, I would have seen the Armchair Thriller, and, and I do own the box set, but I haven't mm. seen all the episodes yet.
1: Mm. Interesting. Um, Again, not not a spectacular success, but it's a tidy enough series. I Think they made a about ten or
2: twelve of them. You know.
1: How does Campion fit in as well? Does, is Campion is Campion an amateur?
2: Um, so he's considered a private investigator. Ah, okay. See, I'm, like I'm, I'm
1: getting I'm I'm my, my boundaries blurred. I always think that sometimes the, these toffs who just happen to get involved in, in crime. <laughs> so
2: he's considered alongside Angel from Angel, he's, right. who is, a, of course, a vampire mm. private investigator. Mm. Also, David and Maddie from Moonlighting. So these are
1: all really professionals, also, and also, these are people who do it for the money. So uh, yes. I think we're left really with, before we, we leave the amateurs, we should have a proper little chinwag about Miss Marple. Mm. Yes. I feel that Miss mm. Marple is the quintessential
2: amateur detective. Are you a fan of Miss Marple? I not a fan of the Jane Hickson era. Uh, well, I mm. no, I'm also a fan of the Margaret Rutherford mm. uh but obviously there's, le- there's less to watch of that, but... I was definitely very keen on Miss Marple when it was on TV and in the 80s.
1: And uh, Angela Lansbury did a couple of feature films, didn't she? Well?
2: Yes. Yeah. yes. Or one feature film, maybe. maybe yeah, um, and there's somebody else did as well. Oh, um, but, uh,
1: was that the Snoop sister? Helen Hayes, wasn't it? Was it? Helen Hayes,
2: that's right. Yeah, yes. I was thinking of Helen Hayes. So, I think that's just a one-off as well.
1: Mm. But uh, again, a wonderful part for a, a, an actor of a certain age, shall we say. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, Miss Marple. Um, so definitely Joan Hickson, superb yeah. and almost yeah. again definitive uh, version. And then resurrected by ITV with Geraldine McEwan and later
2: and Julie McKenzie. Julie McKenzie. Yes. I didn't watch any of those revivals. No. Until recently, I think I can't remember who I watch now. I saw a random one when mm. it came up and I thought, well, I might as well. I'm not the greatest fan of the
1: recent ITV versions of Miss Marple. I think they started to mess around with the source material a little bit more mm. than I would prefer. I know we said earlier it's modern and everything like that, but I just think that they've actually started doing books that aren't Miss Marple books and stuff. I mean, okay, there's only there are only the 12 books. And obviously, the minute you've had one actor do it for three years, you've pretty much run out of books. And if you want to recast, you either make them again or you've got to come up with something else for them to do. So I can understand why they did it. But they have played fast and loose, fast and loose with the source material. And it's uh, not to be tolerated, not to be put up with. But yeah, we do like this marble. And mind like a laser, you know, absolutely. Sitting there quietly knitting in the corner and working it all out. And all based on life in St. Mary Mead.
2: Oh, honorary mention Mm? should probably go to Jonathan Creek. Been one of the oh, biggest amateur um, detectives in the last he is really. of, twenty-five of, years. Of teletype, yes, I
0: mm. suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: That's using cleverness, isn't it? That's using your your skills of deductive reasoning to solve impossible mysteries. We like an impossible mystery. I always think that again, they're sort of mental puzzles, and they, and I think if you're watching at home, you would like to think you've just got one over on on the. Uh, you've worked it out. I mean, were they all the same? Were they all David Renwick?
2: Yeah, they were. I, Again, it sort of started around the time I didn't have much access to TV, so I, mm. I was sort of aware of it, and people were telling me I should probably like it. So yes. when I could, I did, and, and I have since seen pretty much all of them by going back. I think the only thing that greats with me is sometimes I'd rather it was trying to be less funny, because mm. some of the humour just doesn't work, yeah, um, and, and it's actually, you know, I mean... Mm.
1: That, well, that's the light comedy drama for you, isn't it? I mean, but it's all. I think the other thing is, within and of itself, it's not taking itself too seriously, which is possibly.
2: Yeah. But sometimes I think it oversteps it mm. slightly and goes for more sitcom, mm. not like humour like you might get in an episode of Doctor Who or, mm. or something. You think, am I watching? Yeah. It? What am I watching here? Is this a sitcom I'm yeah. watching? Is trying it's...
1: to trying to be or... the best of both worlds and coming up short in both in many ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. you're right.
1: I mean, there is a, there is a sort of surreal absurdity within Jonathan Creek, that sometimes feels a little bit forced. Yeah. Sometimes feels like it's been sort of crowbarred in. So that was the amateurs. Yes. So what's next on your list? Well,
2: private investigators, really.
1: Private investigators. Do you have a favourite? Well,
2: Sherlock Holmes, really, I suppose. it's difficult Sherlock to...
1: Holmes. Do you have a definitive or preferred Sherlock Holmes? Um, I guess. Because there's been several. Yeah, I
2: think of the <laughs> Basil Rathbone type ones in a way ah, because like the film ones. Yes. I don't think I really saw Jeremy Brett at the time I was no. sort of aware, aware of him I may have done but not certainly not from end to end because his era did pass quite a long time he was around for a while wasn't he yeah and that again that enters my university era So,
1: but not long enough obviously to do the complete mm. works so actually I think that very few people have actually done all of the adventures I think mm. Clive Merrison may have done on radio yeah. but quite often they don't rathbone may have done the one radio as well come to think of it mm. but i mean there's only 12 no 14 isn't for um, the sherlock holmes films mm. in the 30s but uh they
2: got pretty close with the granada one
1: i think jeremy brett just got very ill towards the end yeah. didn't he mm. yeah
2: i've seen more of them mm. more recently than i ever saw at the time but i think um,
1: back in the 60s we had douglas wilmer mm. didn't we and peter cushing i have that box
2: set that's made up of what's left of
1: yeah, it's it's one of those ones that it, it, it got absolutely so much of it got thrown away, and every time you see it, you think, oh, that's such a shame, because despite obviously the opinions of later, Granada uh, did Sherlock Holmes because they really wanted to give it a proper job, and they were they were getting into that sort of era of making you know proper film drama, but but certainly you know when when you see the '60s ones, you think you know they did them pretty well for '60s telly; they're really very well done. Um, shall we t- tip a quick hat towards Tom Baker and the Hound of the Baskervilles, or shall we shall we <laughs> pass quietly by? Well,
2: that's uh, one I haven't revisited, so I don't know mm. how he stands amongst the canon of Sherlock Holmes. It's
1: an odd story, Hound of the Baskervilles. I mean, it was done as a classic serial, wasn't it, uh, for Sunday nights, mm. with part of the Barry Barrylets or part of that Sunday afternoon classics when they were doing things like God of His Travels and all all those classic. Novels. But Holmes is so absent for so much of it in in the way he is often in the books as well, Mm. to be honest. I think sometimes you just need someone clever to come in at the end and and sort everything out for you and and actually all the convolutions of the plot have to be done by us mere mortals. I mean, I do wonder whether Sherlock Holmes kind of qualifies as the forensic in the forensic group as well.
2: Yeah, I think some of them do cross over depending on perhaps if their careers change or quite often you get, like, they go off on, on their own I mean uh, one of my favourite policemen is, is Jim Bergerac oh. and in the last the last couple of seasons the whole way through the profit series he goes it on his own and so so for ha- having been a policeman for oh. seven and a half eight seasons he spends the last year and a bit of the show being a private investigator
1: Is there any reason for that? Does he get fired or get fed up or Throw in his
0: badge or?
2: Yeah, it's sort of a bit like that of being skipped over for promotions and things. But I also ah. think it's because the last two seasons is when there was a big change around on the show. Ah. And, and I think, well, d- dipping into a rumor that John Nathan Turner from Doctor Who was off with Bergerac and he said he'd only do it if, hmm. if he could recast everybody or something. Um, I wonder if it's around that time because it's also noticeable on on Bergerac that. Yeah, I think a lot of the writers sort of change. I, I and also the character of Philip Avail, who was a, a sort of sneak thief character, stops appearing. Mm. So it makes you think that there was quite a lot going on behind the scenes of that show around that time. Yes, new, new um, producers so and all that a kind real sort of sh- shaking it up. There
1: was a, a kind of tendency, wasn't there, for um, former establishment police characters. To suddenly go off and become PIs. I mean, I know they did it in between the lines for the third series that Mm. became Private Eyes. But I think there were. Didn't Rockcliffe. All those Rockcliffe spin offs, weren't they all in the private sector? Yeah,
2: I don't don't know. Maybe it's
1: just something about the 80s and everybody had to be self employed because Thatcher said so or something. I don't know.
2: It's a very peculiar thing. Certainly, series that changed, you've got like Dental Touch turning into Cat's Eyes. Um, Mm. uh, And I, I think. I'm never sure. I I can't remember because you can't get a cat-sized box set. I can't remember Mm. if they're working for the police or whether they're working... They are investigating... I think they're a super-secret,
1: super-special, super-MI something or other... Yeah, outfit, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was. I think that was just to compete with Charlie's Angels or something. Yeah, Or the New Avengers, I don't know. It, it's it's a very peculiar way to take the show. Because um, Gentle Touch was a proper mm, police procedural, mm, wasn't it, for five years? Mm, and then suddenly it went into, uh, let's make her a spy. I don't know. I don't do know if do, successful so or the, It might
2: be the 80s again, because you do have sort of different ways, are slightly more fantastical ways of doing detective mm. shows or police shows because you have things like Remington Steel and Moonlighting mm. and, and Dempsey Makepeace, which Dempsey Makepeace isn't the most serious cop show. You know, yeah. it's more like trying to do a sort of comedy version of the professional sort of thing with with a with <laughs> with, a, with a sort of with a bit of sexual tension.
1: I think it's often about just trying to find something they think will sell to international markets, and mm. if if that's the current trendy thing that people are actually watching you try and do your spin on it Dempsey and Makepeace is a, is a peculiar thing because that is, they are still police folk are mm. they not, or are they it, special agents for
2: it, they are police, certainly the, I've got the box set, and certainly the ones, mm. early, early ones I've seen they are working
1: Barbara and Michael Brandon I believe mm. they also became a, an item yeah. in the course of filming
0: that, So, and, and they're still together as yeah, far as we're yeah. aware so um,
2: it's sort of a bit like professionals meets heart to heart, meets uh, <laughs> the new Avengers, meets something else. Mm. It's sort of stirring it all around. And, uh, mm.
1: But do you like it? Do you feel? Does it feel? Does it touch you? Does it sort of hit all your detective series? Uh, I own.
2: Tick boxes? Well, let's say I own that one. I don't, mm. uh, if it gets too serious these days, I'm, I do like that sort of edge of camp, mm. uh, even in my right. pieces. <laughs>
1: Think. Yeah, fair enough. So, which shows do you actually have? I, I, I mean, of these that I, I, you've been talking heart about, Heart to Heart. Do you have a massive set of, of Bergerac.
2: I have all of Bergerac. I have all of twice. Ah, oh, twice! You know, an emergency okay, set. Yeah. so you can watch it on two tellies at once. Third, one out of each eye. It's, no. the th- <laughs> it's the third. set I've owned because the first set I owned, right. they started accident. Oh, well, I presume thanks to accidentally, they released the, the episodes that have been edited for daytime. Showing. Mm. So, although there's not that much violence or bad violence mm. in Bergerac,
1: you needed is, your violence back. Yeah, Thank some, you very Well,
2: much. sometimes, yeah, suddenly, suddenly yeah. Bergerac lying on the floor with his, ha- his head in his hand. He said, Well, yeah. what happened? You missed him. How did that happen? Yeah. I will see what happened.
1: What is it about Bergerac that you find so appealing?
2: Well, I, I did watch that at the time. We used to go to the Channel Islands as a family as well. Right. Um, when my brother was born in 82, not to judge, but my parents were the sort of parents who went, we've got a screaming kid, we can't take them near a hotel. You know, right. We will we, we'll take them, we'll, that's when we started doing self-catering holidays, basically. Yes. Um, and, and whereas I was quite reasonably well-behaved, um, my no. brother was a lot more boisterous. so it made sense to do self-catering and we used to go to self-catering places on the Channel Islands. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, you get uh, the odd glimpse of, of Bertrand's car or uh, actually I think in the final season they did an episode um, in Bath and maybe mm. also filmed in Salisbury and my mm. uh, and he drove his car into a hotel that was quite a, a reasonably posh hotel in Salisbury and it was very close to my dad's office um, mm. and so, so I remember I've seen that episode again recently and, but yeah I can see how they would have been seen that. Also
1: I mean Bergerac was a phenomenally successful series, really, wasn't it? It was on for was at least ten years, wasn't it?
2: Eighty-one to ninety-one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so, and of course, this it came kind of out of adversity, really, didn't it? Because they, it was the same team to a certain extent who'd who'd made Shoestring, and Shoestring had been terribly popular as yeah. another detective, mm-hmm. the Radio Detective. And that had been phenomenally successful, but the main actor Trevor Eve said, "Not doing any more of them, thank you very much." And so they had this hole in the schedule, and thought, "Well, can we come up with another concept?" And lo and behold, out of presumably the back of whatever beer mat or fag packet or whatever idea they had mm. to put a show together, because it's not it's not from a book, is it? I mean, there's there's not a book series of Bergerac. No, it's it's literally plucked out of I suppose shoestring was, was plucked out of the mind of the writer. The series creator, if you like, and um, comes from nowhere and becomes this ten-year phenomenon. Again, you can always tell a show has been a success because it gets the Christmas episode, doesn't it? Yeah. And there are a fair few Christmas episodes of Bergerac, I believe. What was it that particularly appealed about the character of Jim Bergerac?
2: Well, I think it was Jim was quite a somewhere in the middle. I think it was the characters that surrounded him as well. He was mm. he was quite a a, a steady but f- flawed detective but, mm. but you know the, the characters like Charlie Hungerford and mm. as I say Louis Jameson played his girlfriend on and off for mm. about five seasons and, mm. and she did he did sort of dip into what happens to the girlfriend who get who mm. keeps getting to eventually the girlfriend gets fed up and well what Happens to her, hopefully, isn't a moral. The moral of the story is what happens to Richardson's character because that would be horrible. Mm. But, uh, but, yeah, there is a definite story arc to her. Mm. Uh, they, they Should we just
1: say she didn't get a spin off of her own? She
2: didn't, no, she
1: didn't. I sometimes wonder with these things is it the actor or is it the character? I mean, we were a bigger fan of Midsummer Murders.
2: Um, again, I, I think that probably started. I wasn't watching TV very much, so I have caught up with some of that mm. more recently. No, it was nice to see, and it was, I'm kind of glad that... Uh, that I don't, it's nice he got the work. Yeah, it's nice he got, <laughs> got the work. Cause there was a bit of a gap. I'm sure he was busy doing other things or stage work. No, it, it was because I'd, I don't think I was probably watching Bergerac right to the very end.
0: No.
2: Because, again, it was around the time I was going to university. I don't think I saw the... I certainly saw a lot of it, but because it went into the 90s. But watching it now, they probably could have... Because they'd already changed the format, it could have continued. It didn't feel like it totally went out of ideas because they'd already addressed that perhaps being a policeman side was Mm. that they could have continued with the private investigator side. for Mm. That had only really been going for about a season and a half when the show ended. Mm. Uh, and it was moving on because he had a girlfriend after Louise Jameson's character Susan mm. left the show, mm. and the very last episode, he's not even with her anymore. So it's continuing. Mm. It's continuing to. It could have continued. He doesn't get killed off at the end. Um, he, ha- yeah. he has plans. Week, which we we just yes, we just don't get to see them.
1: So of the other Private Eyes, who were your favourites? I mean, were you a fan of sort of like ITC Private Eyes, like Randall and Hopkirk, That's or nice. were you? Or do you like the American private eyes like um, Rockford Files, Jim Rockford, uh, Magnum P.I.? We, we, did you follow all of these as well? We
2: rounded on because it's, well, A, it's ITC, B, it's 60s into 70s, mm. and C, it's ghosts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, and also it was available. Because... My
1: partner, the ghost, I believe the Americans called it with a, a sort of... Distinct lack of, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. it does what it says on the tin, that doesn't it?
2: (laughs) It got repeated quite a bit on late night TV when I first saw it, so in the 80s, so yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing, availability. There there are Mm. other shows that I might be interested in. Did you take or did you see the uh, Vic and Bob remake of Randall and Yeah, I watched those at the time. And I own both of them on DVD. I haven't rewatched them since. No, do um, not more not recently. No, just just, just because I've got far too many DVDs and I'm, ones I haven't seen yet. You know, there's no. some I go back. Do you think
1: that was a, a show that either shouldn't have been remade or or can be reinvented for a new generation, or do you think it was very much it felt a very 60s show and sort of should have been left there?
2: I'm quite happy that it was remade. I mean, it didn't it didn't outstay its welcome originally, but it's a bit mm. like Sapphire and Steel. i mean, not not the mm. detectives. Well, I guess they are some sort of time detectives, but I suppose that yeah. there wasn't more than there should be a stories of Sapphire and no. Steel. So, uh, if that came back, I wouldn't be you know yes, it would have to be cast, but I wouldn't. Mm. It would be nice to see it. be met. And in the same way, I'm not sure that Vic and Bob were the people I would really have chose because that did feel a bit like yeah. oh they they want them for a project or that that's the project they want to do mm. um, rather than it being. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot, there were quite a lot of sort of tele-fantasy shows mm. around that time that only made it for a season or two, or, you mm. know, but there was that time. Oh, there was t- oh, well, Crime Traveller. Crime Traveller, and, yeah. yeah. Um, quite a lot of detective shows, like, I think there was one called Chandler and Son, even, and uh, there was, mm. there was. I'm sure there was one about uh, Fortune there Teller. There was a Virtual Murder, wasn't there? Yes.
1: That was kind of a take always. Well, there's a kind of another take on the. I, I felt actually virtual murder actually had a lot of potential. Uh, the only, I think they only ever made the six of them. Yeah. But yeah. They were, um, and there was even a. That was. Uh, it was kind of like sort of an update of the Avengers in many ways.
2: Yes. You know, yeah. Except way. that they didn't have any, vapor, any chemistry, the two actors well, playing
1: them. Well, that's always the problem, isn't mm. it? Again, it's what we say about sort of catching that lightning in a bottle, as we were saying about Stephanie Powers and Robert Wagner. You know, they, actually, that that chemistry is very difficult to force or fake so so if you haven't really got it if you don't click i mean let's be honest patrick McNee and his partners in the avengers they clicked mm. and because they clicked it worked and and they were sort of going for the same goal whereas in some sometimes they put together two actors and it just doesn't the on stream chemistry doesn't seem to work does it which is a bit of a shame
2: like with with moonlighting those characters yes. i think they were supposed to hate <laughs> I hate one another, but and I, mm. but then but also kind of love one another. But I'm not mm. sure the actors were particularly that fond of each other. And um, mm. but uh, that's one of those shows that I I literally I only ever watched the last episode because I kind of mm. had had been intending to watch it, and and then I saw it was finishing, so I watched the very last episode, mm. which is never a good. Thing to do because it, you often don't know what's going on.
1: But. I quite liked moonlighting. It, it used to mess around with the form mm. of television and, yeah. and break the fourth wall a lot, and that's always quite interesting when television shows start to. I mean, it usually means they're on the last legs and they're trying to be innovative and exciting. But but I do think it for a lot of its run, moonlighting worked incredibly well. I mean, they were they were they were private eyes, of course. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's the Blue Moon Detective Agency, as inherited by was it Maddy? What was her name, Maddy? Hey,
2: Hayes. Maddy
1: Hayes. Mm. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, uh, who found that she had Bruce Willis working for her, which is either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your point of view. Bad thing if you happen to be running an airport, I suppose. But yeah, it was it was all right. Moonlighting, I It made an absolute superstar out of out of Bruce Willis, of course.
2: On on the sort of same slightly weird detectives probably the most iconic. Single detective, I can think of, which has only just occurred to me, uh, is probably mm. Agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. Ah. That was very much my sixth year, Special sixth, agent. Sixth, yeah, it was very much my A levels time, sixth year, and and mm. and uh,
0: uh, yeah.
1: Twin Peaks is a peculiar beast, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's uh, I I I, to, I do think in many ways it is quite astonishing as a piece of television, and again that is. Fundamentally, taking the form of the investigation into a crime, into a murder, and turning it into one of the most surreal television experiences of the last well three or four decades now. I'm not quite sure that the revamp, you know, 25 years later, quite, quite had the same uh, effect on me. But yeah, certainly yeah. the original. But Adam, wasn't... I always my my main problem with with uh, Twin Peaks, to be honest, is it. Once they'd actually solved the murder mystery, mm. it kind of it, it it was wonderful, but it was also kind of it sort of run its course. It had done its thing. You you know that that had been sort of that was what the mystery was. It felt pushing anything beyond that seemed forcing it somehow.
2: But well, I remember being in the minority. Well, I only knew two other people who were watching it at the time when mm. I was at school. My other two friends really hated that it had a damby ending. Well, well, I wouldn't say it had a damby ending because there was so much going on in that last. So people mm. about to be blown up, and it was just that I think mm. they they wanted something positive to happen. Lots of
1: people want resolution. Yeah. They? they want to, they want closure. They want the plot to be I mean, nicely packaged. There,
2: and there, there was a definite something has happened to Dale Cooper. It just wasn't he didn't get married and go off into the sunset. But uh, mm. um, I, I, I'm pretty sure. I said this to you before, it's like the end of Sapphire and Steel. It, it's definitely an ending. The end of Blake 7 is de- mm. a definite ending. I mean, mm. it, would you want a happy ending? Do you want Do you want Blake to marry Sir Valad and go off and have kids on Alpha <laughs> Centauri? You know? it, it's just some shows don't want that yeah, sort of ending, it, do they? It's yeah. tricky.
1: Well, I think the, the ambiguous ending certainly allows you to open the door to your imagination. And I think that's quite nice. I think sometimes if things are too emphatic it can you know it can be that's it it's a a closed book it somehow finishes it off whereas there's always a sort of slight what if maybe with a show that just has enough sort of tantalizing glimpses of a maybe Mm -hmm. a maybe future i think it, it opens something up the thing i always think about is this idea that you know shows that End on a cliffhanger and then don't get renewed.
2: Uh, I think that should be illegal. <laughs> well,
1: it's interesting, isn't it? There's quite a few shows that don't. They they in a, certainly in American television they don't. They just they just stop and they and and they thought they were making another series. There's a show Scorpion, which is a team of Inbetio. Uh, very clever people and that apparently the, the last episode of series four was was this big cliffhanger out and, and it, i don't know it, I, in some ways it, it allows for other things but whew, I think it can be difficult if you're a viewer
2: i do yeah I, but i also think it's unfair to the viewer and you've expected them to i think mm. if you're going to do that then you need to do a, a final tv movie and wrap it up because mm. i mean it's not just from the point of view of the grumpy viewer, saying, we could be, you know, uh, from the point of view of the TV company, maybe be that show. It makes a lot more mm. sense to have an ending of some sort, a proper mm. last episode. Certainly don't leave it on a cliffhanger. I mean, the last, i mm. mean, um, not a detective show, but when they brought back Survivors, it, it, I really mm. enjoyed that revival, and they didn't, mm. they just left it on a cliffhanger and didn't come back. They could have done a final movie to sort of wrap it up. Mm. But actually, you were talking some while ago about American shows that I might have liked. I did, did have gone through a stage of trying to pick up box sets of early, well, 70s shows, detective shows, that mm. I don't really remember, but I'm just curious about. Mm. And they're not they're necessarily not on my list, so you may have to help me yeah. out if I can't think of them immediately. But um, mm-hmm. things like Macmillan and Wife.
1: Oh, Macmillan and Wife, well... The, well... The mystery movie strand. Yes, that you had uh,
2: Columbo, of course. Yes, McLeod. Yes, McLeod, McMillan and Wife.
1: And what was the other one? What was the fourth one? Was that the Rockford? Did that Rockford come through that or Was that
2: another? I've got a, a couple of seasons of Rockford. I've also hmm. got that one with George Peppard, and I can't remember how you pronounce his name.
1: Oh, Banachek. Banachek.
2: I've got that to watch. Hmm. Um, I I almost feel like. Maybe some of these were a bit too policey for me, but, mm. but I'm hoping that the fact that they are 17th... Well, seventies—I'm
1: sure you were a big fan of Cagney and Lacey in, in, the, in the day.
2: Funnily enough, I didn't watch it at the time, but I—I mm. did see the title sequence a lot, and also mm. I clearly remember it. being mentioned a lot on points of view when Barry Took was the, mm. because there was uh, that somebody had people had been writing in to ask, could anyone lip read what? I think is, is that in the title sequence somebody flashed mm. them or something, and, and, and you can see them speaking. And, and there was some mm. sort of writing campaign to try and get somebody to to see what it was that Cagney or Lacey said to the mm. the flasher. But um, this was yeah. all happening on points of view. Uh, so that, that was by strange connection with uh, Cagney and Lacey. And do you know what they decided? Oh no, I can't remember. Now. A long time ago. But my
1: my guess is, oh, it's just like a Willie, only small. <laughs> I don't <know. laughs> probably. Yeah, but,
2: <laughs> but yeah, I've got quite a lot of these shows to dip into and of course so far I've watched the odd episode here or there The one show of those ones that I did get into and I probably have seen in the last three or four years I've probably now seen almost every episode um, and I do see that I now own the DVD uh, this is a weird, a weird one because some of those other shows I told you about I bought them as sort of oh well they're only £10 I'll buy them hmm. but with Columbo I've probably seen the odd episode but then I was there. Was I found a particular channel where they seemed to be showing them all, but not in the right order? Just and I just set it and I just watched them as they were shown. And I watched enough. To, I got to the point and I thought, well, I think I, I would actually watch these again. So I now have the box set, the complete box set, but it's still in its wrapper because it's not that long ago since I saw them. But mm. I so I saw I saw sort of yeah, all the seventies ones and all the nineties ones because I think the very last episodes were well, as recent as like 2002 or four it, it, mm. it, it, it does run from cause I think the very first one's like 68 and and, and then it, there was mm. a bit of a, a gap of a year or two before it started as a regular a regular right. thing. I, I do enjoy Conva.
1: Yes, it used to cycle through Columbo, McLeod, Macmillan and Wife. And apparently another show I ch- I don't remember anything about called Heck Ramsey, although I did used to use that as an expletive occasionally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I must have heard of it. But getting back to the amateurs, mm. obviously there have been new versions of Sherlock Holmes. there have been Sherlock on the BBC in elementary. Mm on American television uh, are you a, are you a fan of either of the updates uh, or or new takes on sherlock
2: i never really watched elementary but then i'm not totally sure what channel that was even shown on or a bit, mm. and
1: I... We're shiny disc fans of that. That's where we've accumulated it from. Yeah, I, probably... I think it, I think it was big on it was on Sky or something. But I... uh, the way we got it is that uh, somebody downloaded them for us. Yeah, and then we ended up buying the disc because we liked it so much. I actually, in some ways, I prefer Elementary to Sherlock. I found Sherlock actually more difficult to rewatch than anything. I enjoyed it at the time but I've not sort of returned to it whereas elementary, we've sort of cycled through two or three times. Yes, It pays you money, it takes your choice I suppose.
2: I probably have seen 75%, 80% of Sherlock but I wouldn't say it's like, oh my goodness, up, on. It, it mm. is more of a, oh, I think there's a new Sherlock. In the same way as... It
1: was difficult because they kept making three and then not making yeah. for so three years. And it's difficult. to keep track of a show. It's like a bit that.
2: like what they did with Jonathan Creek towards the end. to be like, What mm. oh, is there's some new Jonathan Creeks coming out. I must watch those. But, you know, if I don't, then it's not going to be the end of the world sort of thing. Um, and, uh, I mean, Jonathan Creek never really settled with a replacement for it, it was his sidekicker Maddy as well. I can't,
1: uh, initially, yes, I believe. Yeah. so. Yes. yeah, well, they never really, they, they... it was a bit of a revolving door, policy yeah. when
2: it came to the assistance and of they... Jonathan Creek towards, them. yeah, because they had Julius Wahala and they had um, Sheridan, Smith. Sheridan Smith, and then Sarah Alexander became his wife in the more recent ones. Mm. And, um, mm-hmm. but because they don't make as many of them, I think like you've got you know a handful of. All of those people, but none of them stayed for because there were big gaps by the time they came to redo it. Probably easier to recast than just have Jonathan being the only person who we need to get back, sort of thing.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's often the case, actually. Weirdly, the sidekick can be let go.
0: You know, yeah. <laughs>
1: quite easily, but people there's there's usually one face that people associate with these shows. I mean, in some ways, Sherlock is unusual from that in the fact that Cumberbatch and Freeman are both associated with it almost equally now, mm. which is possibly unusual. What about Poirot of the professional investigator?
2: I think I, are you a, I, a Poirot fan? I. I think I'm more of a fan of Peter Houston off his Poirot. Interesting. He's the first, a bit like with Sherlock, he's the first Poirot I saw, and mm. I do like the, he, he, hearing the films. And for one way or another, I just didn't really see a lot of Poirot when it was on TV.
1: I think Poirot got better on television when they started doing them as the the longer films. The, the short ones are a little bit... Although, I mean, let's face it, when Sherlock Holmes started on Granada, they were an hour, so... They did make longer ones later, but I think the longer Poirot works, it's that thing where you can start shouting denouement, denouement, because you know at one hour twenty, you know that they're going to gather in the drawing room and solve the crime.
2: I didn't hate Kenneth Branagh's Poirot either. I mean, Mm. in more recent, he's probably far too handsome. Definitely the the pin-up Poirot, but I'm quite looking forward to seeing the new version of Death on the Nile.
1: It's another fast and loose, that was, I think, the only problem I had with it, personally. Mm. I thought it was a, it was a perfectly uh, serviceable film, but it was a bit fast on this. So we've covered two of your areas. What was your third? Um, Were these the professionals?
2: We have sort of dipped into police detectives, so that was that was the sort of the third, but uh, there are certainly ones that we haven't c- covered. mean some of the ones... I remember... I, I never really read the P.D. James books, mm. but I, I do remember seeing The Black Tower, one of Adam D'Aggleish. Oh, right. Th- yes. When that was, I think it was about 86. And I remember being really sort of, you know, coming back to it every week really excitedly. Mm. I bought the, the DVD, which I think was out of print. I think I had to buy it secondhand. Mm. Is this Roy Mars? Yes, right? that's right. Yes. Mm. Because I think somebody else, they didn't do all of them, or perhaps she wrote more after they'd stopped. And then I think mm. somebody else. So I particularly liked that particular story and, mm. and and I quite enjoy rewatching it when I saw it again mm. but again in, Inspector Wexford George Baker yes I mm. didn't really watch any of those at the time but I'm now reading I'm a big fan of Ruth Rendell but I tend to mm. like her standalone psychological thrillers mm. and the book she writes as Barbara Vine
0: mm.
2: I, but I always kind of said one day I'm going to read all of the Wexfords because I really mm. should because they might surprise me and she, she's been gone about five years now, and I'm no spring chicken. So I thought, the are 28 or something of them. I need to, I really ought to get started. Mm. So I've read, well, I'm on the second one at the moment, and already she's changed the format. The second one yes. has Wexford as a, almost a background character. There's another character, there's a vicar whose son is going to marry this girl who is mm. the daughter of a, of a murder. And because he's a vicar, he's worried it's will going to come out and it could be terribly, because mm. you're, we think we're talking sort of 60s so that sort of thing is perhaps yeah. probably more worrying for him
1: well certainly if, you, if you're going to start picking up the back catalogue of all these books there's an awful lot of them out yeah, there, yeah. there i mean if you think about somebody like a nero wolf <laughs>
0: mm, yeah, yeah
1: the amount of stories that there are taught. i mean even with poirot you know there are so many books if you've not read them you can, you
2: can accumulate like nobody's business. I'd never really heard of Nero Wolf until you mentioned it in one mm. of our chats, um, and I looked into it, but I'm like that uh, being a bit magpie mm. uh, natured. Mm. But unfortunately some of these things you find aren't I can be, you know, some of these shows we've talked about and I've said "Oh, I don't know about it could be a, a flip of a coin and I suddenly something triggers me off suddenly mm. I, I must see all of elementary or something, and, and, mm. and, and, and Right, so where can I do that? How can I do that? Sometimes these things end very suddenly when you discover, oh, they literally aren't available. And Wexford's a bit like that at the moment. I, there were box sets that came out in the noughties, which are now out of print. Yes. And, uh, you know, I quite like to see at least some of the books. Um, mm. and, and sometimes they pop up on YouTube for a couple of weeks and then they get taken down again. And...
1: Yeah, there's an awful lot of really good detective fiction that. I mean, some of it, the British Library Press, I think, have have bought out a lot of the sort of 1920s, 1930s lost detective fiction. But actually, there's an awful lot of very good detective fiction that's kind of difficult to get hold of now, which used to be huge. And uh, someone like Simenov, you know, Maygray, the May Gray novels. There are loads of Maygray novels, absolutely loads of them. But they're sometimes quite difficult. To get a complete run of them is very hard, but uh, I mean, May they have had about at least three goes on television, if not more.
2: I mean, the thing is, the ironic thing is that sometimes you need to be a bit of a detective to get hold of the DVDs <laughs> of the show of some of these shows because some of them are really to come by, and some of them are hidden away. And...
1: Maybe sending you off on your detective journey, detective yeah. mission. It's possibly where we should leave this for today. We may have to come back to this. Yeah, we've not even
2: mentioned Morse, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people cutting that we haven't mentioned Morse,
1: screaming at Morse at the uh, radio. Yes, well, you know, we will come back. maybe we'll do a week where we just talk about Morse. That might be interesting. (laughs) We'll take a Morse Lewis Endeavour episode. Put that together. That might be a good thing to do. Thank you very much for your time today, Paul. Yeah, it's been great fun. Thank you. It's uh, been an absolute delight as ever. And I hope to uh, speak to you again soon. You take yeah, care. Yeah,
2: speak to you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Many thanks to my guest, Paul Chandler, for getting on the trail this week to act as our guide through some of his memories of the many detective dramas he's accumulated and enjoyed. And, of course, my thanks to everyone here at Fab Radio International and, of course, to all of you for listening. Don't forget that you can always contact the show via at Vision on Sound 1 in Twitworld if you have any feedback, comments and suggestions for subjects which you might like the programme to cover. Until next time, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.